Checky, check, 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 checky, checky, check, check. The album is done. Yep, it's done. I said I would do it and I did it. I doed it. It's all done. Just got that artwork and such. Uh, I think that's it. You know, some other like marketing who's a what's it's to do, but that's it. You're going to hear new music from me and I'm going to put out a single in two weeks. Is that right? Is it two weeks? One, two, two weeks. So that's awesome. And then, uh, a couple more and then the album pretty soon, like really, really, really soon. And I should have everything together by then. That's the goal at least. So that's neat. Um, yeah. I've gotten some nice messages uh, about the podcast. So thank you. Thank you guys for that. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's a good feeling. I'm glad you like it. And uh, I look forward to listening every week. It's, it's nice to hear. And uh, some people, um, you know, were saying that they're happy to support. And if you're looking for other ways to support, you know, like, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes and YouTube and, uh, you know, whatever. Follow me on Instagram if you want or Twitter if you want to talk. And uh, also, if you shop on Amazon, you can go to my website, GrahamBaker.com. Uh, scroll to the bottom and click on the Amazon banner and do all your shopping like you would normally. Nothing changes for you, but uh, a small percentage of that comes back to the show so I can keep doing this. So that's something you can do. Welcome to Porb, your favorite podcast that isn't uh, whatever fucking, I don't know. I, I couldn't think of a funny podcast. I have a um, 6 a.m. client. So I'm up at like 5. So I'm already sleepy. It's only 10. But I feel like I've done a lot already. Which I have. I'm a real go-getter. <laughs> That's not true. Um, I saw it. I took my son on Friday to see Toy Story. Which I'm not going to spoil it. So don't don't worry. Um, I'm, I'm going to give my opinion on it, but I'm not going to say anything that happens in it. Uh, overall, it's good. But as I was watching, I, I kept feeling confused about why it existed at all. I don't know. I mean, if you haven't seen the three previous Toy Story movies, you should. They're wonderful. Uh, the first one in particular. Uh, and then the second one got a lot of like mixed reviews, I guess, but, um, it's good. It's not, uh, quite as heartfelt as the first one, but it's good. And then the third one went back to, you know, their formula, I guess, of the first one. And it was very heartfelt and, uh, you know, beautiful and touching. So it was like, they kind of wrapped it up. It ended. And to me, it felt like that was a, like a great way to end it. Uh, so for them to do another one kind of, um, cheapened it. You know how, like, in the office, in the last episode of the office, where they're on the panel doing like the reunion for the documentary, and uh, Joan Cusack gets up and she's asking 
Aaron, you know, she would hate her mom if she ever met her. And then she's like, Aaron, I'm your mom. And then Aaron runs down and they hug and they cry. And it's this beautiful moment. I watched it again last night. Uh, and, you know, started tearing up at it. And then, like, <laughs> as they're doing it, like, they, they hit this great moment that, you know, for years in the series, they've been talking about here and there about that Aaron's a was a foster child and, you know, and then like, so they're hugging and crying <laughs> and then Ed Begley Jr. comes up and he's like, same question, but for your dad. And then like, that's her dad. So it was like that. It was like Toy Story 3 hit this beautiful, poignant moment. <laughs> and then Toy Story 4 was like, whoa, 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 let's do another one. So it kind of cheapened the third one, in my opinion. Not that it isn't good. It is good. But like the... The other movies, even though like it's very much like the toys doing their thing, it's not about the kids, but it is about like ultimately, you know, that's their drive is the kids. But in this one, it's not about that. It's just like an adventure story, like a cartoon adventure story, which, okay, so like they set up this thing about Bonnie that in Toy Story 3, who inherits all these toys from Andy which is very touching. Andy goes away to college and that's in the third one. So Bonnie has the toys. So then they set up like, oh, Bonnie's starting kindergarten and she's having a hard time. She doesn't want to leave her toys. And she, so it's like they set up this beautiful process of like, oh, she's going to do, like she's going to need all these coping skills and the toys are going to help her learn to cope being away from home, being away from her parents, being in this new environment and all this stuff. Um, and then you kind of assume like, oh, okay, well, there'll be like wacky hijinks with a bunch of kids and, you know, slobber and it'll be funny and maybe a kid steals a toy or breaks a toy or whatever. So you're going to deal with all these like really common childhood uh, situations involving toys and wacky hijinks would ensue. And almost as fast as they set up the kindergarten thing, they abandon it. And they're like, the family's like, okay, you had one day of kindergarten. We're going on a road trip. And it, it was just like, it didn't make any sense for that to happen. And again, I'm not going to give away specifics if you haven't seen it. Um, but then it's like, it's kind of like a dark story, pretty somber. And uh, it just kind of revolves around the toys. It's like around Woody. So it's like Buzz isn't really in it. You know, the, the magic of that of those movies is the relationship with Buzz and Woody, uh, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen or Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. Um, and they didn't really do that at all for this one. Their interaction was minimal at best. Um, so it, I don't know. It, it felt lacking in a lot of that, but like the new characters they introduced like Forky, uh, played by, uh, who was that? Um, played by, how do you not, where doesn't it show, oh, here we go, um, why can't I see it, damn it, played by Tony Hale, who the hell is Tony Hale, oh, he's this guy, from, uh, Veep, right, is that him? I think so. Yeah, from Veep. Uh, like the sidekick to uh, Elaine. Um, 
and he's awesome. He's so funny, and uh, the character's cute. So it's like, and they introduced a couple other characters that were kind of cool, I guess. But it's like this story about Woody letting go, which is weird because the third one was that, like Woody letting go of Andy and moving to the. And I don't know. And then it, the I won't give away the end, but like. I still got choked up. It was still nice, but it just, the whole thing kind of struck me. Like, I didn't understand why the movie existed at all. And then the choices that they made, it just, it, it, it didn't sit well. Um, so it's not bad. You should, you, if you watch it, you'll totally enjoy it. But, um, yeah, just odd, weird choices. And, and it, again, it is pretty dark and somber, like the whole tone of it. With that being said, um, you know, the voice acting is great. Obviously, the animation is stunning. It was actually awkward how good the animation was. They they changed the style up a little bit, too, where in the first, especially in the first one, um, actually, even in all three, the backgrounds are also cartoony. Like, it all, the, the, it all matches. But in this one, it seemed like they were just so impressed with their capabilities as animators excuse me that they just went like crazy with how impressive they could make it look the backgrounds were almost like photorealistic um and the toys were less cartoony um it 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 looked so good that i kept finding myself being taken out of it like like, fuck that God damn, this looks so good. But also the style was less cartoony, so it's less childlike. Maybe what they were going for is like, you know, if you grew up with the movies, you're older now. But I didn't grow up with the movies. I was, when did the first one come out? 95, is that right? Um, I think the first one came out, and I can't be, can't be 95, can it? 1995, holy shit. 1995. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I was starting high school, getting ready to start high school. Um, so it's not like I grew up with it. I wasn't a kid when I saw it and I didn't even see it till way later anyway. So I don't have that attachment to it, but even so it's still like a movie, you know, it's kids, children watch the movie now. So it's like, it'll always be for more or less the same age group. It'll appeal to everyone because it's so, you know, the, the first one is so amazing and it, it it's as much of an enjoyment for an adult to watch it as it is for a child. But like, ultimately, you're still targeting the exact same age group. You know, it's like Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused. You know, I get older, but they stay the same age. Like, that's essentially what these movies should be doing. Like, they're always targeting the same group, um, whatever, like three to 10 or something like that. Three to seven. I don't know. Um, so it felt a lot darker and less childlike. Like le- there was less wonder in it. And uh, it was just a little more serious and somber. But, you know, ultimately it's good. I enjoyed it. He liked it. Um, I think. He, he did like it. He'd like and and, <laughs> and since we've gotten home, he's like, He'll run around and be like, I'm Forky. And Forky is made of trash, obviously. And he keeps trying to go back in the trash. So he'll do it like all the time. Like, I'm trash. And he'll run into the trash. (laughs) And he he was calling me Forky for a while, too. He was like, we're trash. And he was like, your body is trash. And I was like, fucking ain't right, man. 
anyway, it, it's a good movie. You should watch it. Um, ultimately, I, I don't think it needs to exist, and uh, I don't think it helped the series, but it's good. We also saw, like, the week prior, maybe it was two weeks before, the new Secret Life of Pets, which isn't good. The first one is, is fun. It's cute and fun, but this one is not good. It's super boring. Um, yeah, and again, like, they have this idea, like, oh, uh, Snowball, Kevin Hart's character, is, like, a thinks he's a superhero. So let's play on that. But they do it in, like, just the most uninteresting way. So I that one is not, like, really necessary to see. Uh, and it felt like it was long as fuck. Like, it dragged, like, the, the last Lego movie. The second Lego movie felt... Nine hours? This one felt like nine hours, too. So it goes. Speaking of The Office, they are uh, just announced that they're taking it off of Netflix in 2021. So get your uh, get your watches in now. Because I guess the, like Universal is going to do a streaming service now. Here's the problem. Everywhere is doing a streaming service now. So it's going to be... To, in order to be a part of all these streaming services, it's already more than you would have paid for cable. It, it's absurd. Like, I personally, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and HBO. I mean, I use someone else's HBO. But still, I still pay for three services. So it's like, I'm never, I'm not paying for another one. I don't care what it is. I'm not paying for the Marvel one coming. I'm not paying for the DC one that's already here. Uh, I'm just not, I'm done. Like these three are enough and four with HBO. That's it. And I think they're going to run into a serious problem. Like all these companies, instead of just making deals with these existing, you know, they want the money, they want the market. So like that greed or control or power or whatever is stronger than the consumer comfort or benefit to them. You know, I don't, I haven't had cable TV in, I don't know. 18 years or something like that. But, you know, it's like essentially what DirecTV did. Like they came in and there was just all these packages. Oh, you want that? It's more. You want that? It's more. Uh, and now that's what's, it's, it's happening across like a wider scale. It's really dumb and weird and I don't think it's going to go well. But if you want to watch The Office, you better start doing it. I actually just rewatched it, the entire series, last month. And then again this month. And I finished it yesterday and then I started it up again which you know can only mean one thing I'm very depressed I think there's something about that like if you rewatch the same movie or there's some kind of uh, comfort like you get some sort of comfort from watching the same movie or same show again because you know what's going to happen so there's uh, no anxiety there and then also if it's, you know, something funny or silly or whatever, uh, you know that you're going to get these moments, these little, you know, um, soap, uh, serotonin or, or dopamine drips of like laughter or cuteness or whatever, you know, that's coming. So there's like this built in reward system. It's the same way uh, like RPGs work, like role playing games, video games, especially where you know, you're constantly working toward like another level or another thing, or you're, you're just trying to increase the number. So there's just this constant reward system and you know, it's coming. So that's part of the reason you keep going back. Um, 
and the office is like that. And I do it with a, a couple other shows too, you know, um, Seinfeld, Friends, Parks and Rec. Um, to their credit, they're all amazing shows. Uh, like really amazing. Why am I saying us so much? You know, it's funny. I don't do that when I'm speaking to groups. Like my job is speaking to people. That's all I do for years. It's, you know, as a martial arts teacher, even when I was in finance and I would give seminars and lectures and things like that, it's always, you know, I, I never said, um, but I think because I'm sitting in a room by myself, the, the need or the urge, the perceived need for filler is greater. I think there's a, uh, in general, there's like a fear of uh, silence on, for audio, like in, on, on radio, for example, or podcasts. I don't, like in, in general, if you're sitting with me, I'll sit quiet forever. Everybody knows that. But here, it seems awkward, like, that what is the discomfort in silence? Like, did that make you uncomfortable? Why? Why are you so uncomfortable? What is that? It's something about sitting alone with no stimulus. Maybe part of it is that, like, there is just no stimulus coming in. So there is like a, um, an expectation for it. So there's a, a little bit of frustration or anxiety or fear that it's not going to come again. Maybe that's part of like in your lizard brain, that's what's happening. But another part of it might be just um, in general, people have a really hard time sitting and doing nothing. Just being is very challenging. I think as, as people, as humans, we have a kind of an, an innate fear and rejection of that uh, of humans who live in cities. Because anybody, anytime, any family or friends or anytime I've visited, you know, places out in the country, they, there's no problem there because they don't have a lot of stimulus. But in the city, you, it's constant. You're just constantly inundated with information and, you know, phones and, and uh, sounds and, and touch. And there's all these sensations constantly. So when it, it stops... For some people, it can be very unnerving. They don't know what to do with themselves. What are you afraid of? Just sit and be quiet. Just shut the fuck up. But don't shut up too long because you should be listening to this podcast, which you are. Isn't that neat how that works? I for sure don't have a problem with silence. I like silence a lot. I don't date. Um, but last year... Last year, I uh, met this girl at the park and uh, went out for dinner. And then she was back here in the evening. We were just talking. She kept commenting how quiet it was in my house. Like it was really bothering her, like how quiet it was. She kept saying, it's so quiet in here. I'm like, it's just me. And now it's just us. What do you, I don't understand. I was, it was really like perplexing to me and, and a turn off as well. But like, why are you... Why do you have such a problem with it? What do you expect? What noise should there be right now? It's just the two of us talking. So when there would be a silence, even for five seconds, she would immediately say like, it's so quiet in here. So I just, you know, she just started become like grosser and grosser to me. And uh, <laughs> really weird too. So meet her at the park. 
and got her number, give her a call like a day later or something like that. And we go out to dinner that weekend, that Friday or something. And the dinner was whatever. It was fine. Um, I wasn't in the mood to go out. I just kind of like, I don't know, was going through the motions or something. And I just needed to do something, get out of the house. And I thought like, well, maybe I want to see somebody. I, I didn't, but I thought I did. So I went out with her and the conversation was fine. It was like nothing terribly gripping for either of us. I don't think we're just very different people. Um, you know, I'm uh, smart and creative and amazing. And she was a big dull dud. And uh, anyway, so dinner finishes and I ask if, she, and, and you know, I made it clear in the dinner, like by just saying it, like, I'm not looking for anything. Like I'm just coming out of a marriage and then like a really fucked up relationship. And so I'm, you know, casual, like just light, slow at best. And uh, so anyway, afterwards, like, hey, would you like to come over? I live down the street. She says, yeah, it's like 10. So it's late. So the assumption is, you know, that we were going to have sex. That would be, that was most people. Would, and I wasn't like demanding or expecting that. That was just like, it's a pretty obvious assumption. Assumption. You don't know me. You're coming to my house at 10 o'clock at night after I've told you that I don't want a relationship. So it's like, okay. So I figured like, all right, well, that'll be fun, hopefully. And uh, so, so she follows me here. Before she comes in, she like stops and she's like in her car sitting there for like five minutes. And then I get a text. I'm like standing right there at my door, like, and she's on the sidewalk in her car. And I get a text that she says, I'm talking to my mom. I'll, I'll be out in a few minutes. Super weird. So I'm already like, fuck, how do I get out of this? And uh, so sure enough, she finishes up her phone call and she comes in. I don't wear shoes in my house. Why? Because it's fucking disgusting. You know, when you're outside, you're not just walking on dirt. You're walking on, you know, animal feces and urine and brake dust and oil and spit and, you know, excrement and dead things. And, you know, if it, it stepped on from one place and brought to another, it's very filthy out there. So when I come in my house, I take my shoes off because it's gross. I don't want that shit all over my floors. I clean my house every day, like the floors in particular. I sweep and, and uh, vacuum and then mop it once a week. But anyway, my son and I play on this floor. I'm not, you know, I don't want that, that on me. And then like, it's on you because you're laying on the floor and then you lay on your couch or your bed. And now it's on there. It's so foul. So I take off my shoes. So I ask, hey, would you take off your shoes? And she's like, no, I don't want to take off my shoes. Ugh, bitch, what the fuck's the matter with you? This is my house. What are you doing? Well, I'd rather you didn't wear your shoes in my house. She didn't want to take off her shoes. So I have these little, I'll put a link in the description, that if you buy them, uh, a percentage may go back to the show. And if you don't click on that link, you can go to my website, grandbaker.com, scroll to the bottom and click on the Amazon link, the Amazon banner, and do your shopping as you normally would. But uh, there are these little foot, like shoe covers. And you, know, you don't want to take off your shoes or if I have like a repair person or something that comes in, I can just hand them those and they don't have to take off their shoes. So I give her those. We're sitting on the couch talking for a while. I can see that this is not going anywhere, which is fine. Um, 
at a certain point, she's like, may I use the restroom? Yeah. It's down the hall. First door on your left. So she goes, I'm just sitting on the couch. And it is quiet in my house. So she, there's no weird bathroom story here. So she uses the restroom and I'm still sitting on the couch. And like my bedroom is next to the bathroom. And the light's off there. So there's only light coming from the bathroom. So she opens the door. I hear the door open. And then I hear her run down the hallway. Run down the hallway. And I'm like, hey, are, are you all right? What, everything okay? And she's like, yeah, I just, I didn't know if you were in your bedroom, like kind of jump out and get me. Okay. It was great meeting you. Uh, drive home safe. And <laughs> goodbye. And then she left. I was like, this is fucking crazy. Uh, so it's just a really odd, odd date. Not even, by far, not even the weirdest date I've ever had. I don't date a lot. Like, almost never. Um, I can probably count on my fingers the amount of, like, dates I've had. Not with, I'm not counting, like, uh, I met somebody, we instantly hit it off, and then we just are, are, we're together now. But, like, I meet someone and we go on a date and then one or two times and then we don't. Like, it's on both hands. I can probably count them. I'll save that super, super weird one for another time. Um, but it's very, very weird. How are you going to come into someone's house and not take off your fucking shoes? If they ask. Just as a courtesy, wouldn't you feel weird? Someone says, would you take off your shoes? And you say no? What kind of psychopath are you? That's so weird. But that's what she did. So one thing for me is like practicing noticing all these flags. You know, the weirdness of sitting in her car, the weirdness of not taking off her shoes, thinking I'm going to kill her. You know, coming back to my house at 1030 at night after we've been drinking and not trying to fuck. <laughs> oh, man. But I was glad that nothing happened. I'm not into like one night, whatever. Uh, it just doesn't do anything for me. I don't like it. I've had, don't get me wrong, like I've had friends that I've slept with that, like, you know, will every once in a while, like, that we've slept together. And it's been great and fun and nothing, there's no, it's fine. But it's like, I like that person. I'm not in love with them or anything, but I like them. There's, there's a connection there and they like me. So th there's a connection. But like sex without any type of connection, like to not even like the person, I just, I can't do it. I hate it. It's the worst thing. Because um, sex is fun and intimate and, and exciting. So like sharing and very personal, obviously, and vulnerable. So sharing that with someone that doesn't turn you on, like actually like for real turn you on, um, is no good for me. It's just no good. I don't like it. So, you know, every time in my life that I've tried to do that, which I haven't tried a lot, but in the last two years, um, like last year, it happened kind of a lot. Um, but every it was more like it almost felt punitive or um, just being lost and just trying, like, I don't fucking know, maybe I'll just do this. But yeah, so it's no good. So I don't like that. So I was glad nothing happened. But it was good, you know, noticing these things and like feeling, not feeling the need to... Um, make her feel better about her shitty weird behavior or any you know what i mean like i didn't feel the urge to save or 
protect her, you know, in any way. So it was good. You know, it's all these weird kind of like immersion therapy, immersion, immersion, excuse me, therapy, forcing myself into these situations that I would normally go left. And then I went right instead, which is good because my usual choices for partners are terrible, fucking terrible. So it's good that I, I, I feel much, uh, more confident, even though I still don't really have, I'm open to meeting someone, but I just don't have an urge to do it. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'm gonna go get some more coffee. BRB. <laughs> Shaving my shoulders. Oh, many, many, many years ago, I had a, this one band, and uh, we were pretty weird, so we would, like, <clears throat> dress up in ridiculous costumes and, you know, pass out Twinkies to the audience, and then, like, massive, like, hundreds and hundreds of people throwing Twinkies fights would ensue, and we were fairly uh, popular in Hollywood for a bit, um, even with our horrible work ethic and uh we recorded a bunch of albums but we our unreleased album we had these like little skits and one of them was uh our drummer he was like pretending to take a shower like it was sound effects and uh, he was singing that song shaving my shoulders i always think about that song <laughs> it's a good one you can sing it all you like just give credit where credit is due. T-Bone and the Boners. That was the name of that band. It's really a shame that we were around pre, like, YouTube. Like, what Like what YouTube is. Yeah, was it? When did YouTube come out, anyway? Um, but we were around, like, MySpace was around, but that was it. And uh, I, I've checked, and our MySpace account isn't really there anymore. But we had this, like, amazing review once of one of our shows, someone we didn't know that just happened to go to the Troubadour or something and see us play. And he gave like just this super long account, his account from his perspective of what the fuck was happening. And it was amazing. I, I thought I had saved it, but I think it was on a hard drive of mine that died. It's a bummer, but it was hilarious. And, and just a really cool account of like, wow, this person had the fucking weirdest, it, it, like he had the best time ever, but it was just the weirdest experience of his life. And, you know, we got to provide that for him. People would get like sick at our shows, just like from the sound, we would make sounds that were so uncomfortable that people would get, we were all, not all, most of us uh, were very good musicians and in like real bands uh, forever. So when we started this band, the whole goal was like, let's just write terrible songs and just be absurd and ridiculous. And it, what was interesting, um, wait, when did YouTube start? 2005 what created in 2005 yeah so we were out before youtube um and then i think like we finished maybe within like a couple years of that like a year i think we finished in like 2006 or something yeah i think our last show was like 2006 uh anyway what the fuck was i saying 
Um, damn it. <laughs> uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just wanted to make terrible songs. And when we would go to shows, so we'd play, you know, mainly throughout Hollywood. So Whiskey, Roxy, Troubadour, Key Club, El Rey, those places. And uh, some other like weird one-off places in LA too. But we'd go in and we'd be in the dressing rooms where it's like in other bands, we'd be serious too and warming up or being nervous or getting drunk or doing coke, whatever. Like we were like in other bands prior. But with T-Bone and the Boners, we would have like we would, there'd be like seven of us, you know, one person's dressed as the goddamn Riddler. Another person has like the top of his head shaved with just like, like the Mr. Burns. Um, you know, I'm wearing a, like a pink lace skirt and a, like a Hitler shirt with a Hitler mustache. And, you know, someone else is just in their underwear covered in glitter. Like it was fucking bananas. And we have giant inflatable octopuses and we're just like sprawled out and just being the most absurd, ridiculous people you've ever seen. And there'd be bands like next to us fucking leather and their makeup and you know practicing like doing like poses in the mirror it was just very very weird and they hated us obviously because we're making them feel you know very uncomfortable and weird um but to follow us was the worst experience for any band because we were like everything in our show was fucking huge and colors and just weird people you know running up and you know we'd have someone dressed up like a fisherman fishing off the stage and a guy below him in scuba gear or like someone making a sandwich on stage or like a stripper and somebody else making out as another girl making it like it was just it was fucking chaos and we'd you know smash guitars over people's heads and it was it was really amazing time and we're it's unfortunate that we existed pre-youtube i think i have a lot of these videos still Maybe eventually I'll upload, I'll upload them. Um, or at least like a highlight. Watching a whole show is tiresome. But uh, it, it was just... It, but to follow us... So we would have this fucking spectacle. We were just a spectacle. We'd come out to like crazy songs and do like theatrics and stuff. It was bananas. And we could all really play the fuck out of our instruments too. Um, and then we'd leave... The entire club is covered in Twinkie guts. It's been the loudest, most chaotic circus you've seen. And then you go up in like your jeans and a t-shirt and you're playing fucking power chords and like, meh, 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 meh. I can't even imagine. Yeah, just, we played this show at the Roxy with um, Parliament. So, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, they split. So George Clinton is his own thing, and then Parliament is their own thing, too. And we played this show uh, at the Roxy with Parliament, and they were the coolest fucking people. We kicked it in the dressing room with them, and they were just in love with what we did. And, uh, you know, most of us were huge P-Funk fans, so it was pretty amazing. And um, just uh, the, the nicest people. They couldn't have been cooler. And then a different show at some club in L.A. I don't even remember what it was. We played with George Clinton. And that guy was a fucking asshole to us. I don't know. 
maybe he was just having a bad day or what. It didn't seem like it, though. It seemed like kind of standard behavior for him. He walks in. We're so excited. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're playing a show with fucking George Clinton. Like, what the hell? He walks in, like, this huge entourage. He's in front, and there's, like, nine people behind him just walking in, a, like, a single-file line. It was a little odd. And uh, the singer and I were, like, waiting there, and we were, like, we waited for them to kind of come in. They made their way in, so it wasn't, like, right when they walked in the door. And all we did, like, we shook out my hand. I shook out my hand. I was like, Mr. Clinton, it's an honor for us to be here. Thank you so much for having us on your show. And he literally, just, as walking by, he went like this, uh, and just kept walking, like, waved his hand and said, uh, and walked by. And then, like, none of his stupid entourage, like, even, like, would look at it. It was weird, man. It was really, really weird. That was a wacky show, too. You know, we're all, like, just really weird white guys uh, making fun of serious musicians, playing to, like, an, this all-black funk audience who did not want to see us at all. I think there was, like, some rappers on the bill, George Clinton, us. It was really weird. I don't know how we got that show, but we did, like, I mean, we had, like, funk influences in our music a bit, but we did not belong on that fucking show. And I think we covered, like, uh, Rage Against Machines, Know Your Enemy, um, which, if I remember correctly, is basically a song about <laughs> how white people are shitty and, like, the government is shitty, like, the man is shitty, but we're all, like, you know... <laughs> We're the man, technically. So it was it was just all sorts of awkward and weird. Um, but anyway, good times. But yeah, it's a shame that, that that band didn't exist during social media and YouTube. And it won't exist again. I'm falling out with all those guys, unfortunately. Not all of them, most of them. Um, I don't have any, like, hatred toward them. But it's just, you know, very different people. You know, it's like... It's unfortunate, you know, they, uh, they were all like my, you know, in, in some cases, you know, two of the guys were people I grew up with and we've known each other for 30 years since elementary school. Um, and it, it sucks, you know, to not, even though we grew into very different people, it was nice to always be able, but you know, you can only excuse so much like shitty inconsiderate behavior you know it's i don't wish anything bad on them i don't have any hatred or whatever um but at a certain point you know you i'm too old to i've been through too much i'm too old to keep people in my life that i have to constantly teach how to be nice to me and like treat me like a person or like my family like a person like people so at a certain point you just go like all right fundamentally we just don't feel the same way about it. We don't exist the same way. We don't operate the same way. Our values are different. Our morals are different. That How we operate is different. I'm not perfect by any means. I'm not saying that. Um, but there are certain things I would not do or do. and Or if I did them, I would at the very, very least uh, own up to that and, you know, be honest. I'd say, hey, like, yeah, I fucked up. That was shitty. What can I do to... To rebuild that. And, you know, if, if someone is not there, then that's fine. That's, I mean, it's, it sucks, but it's on them. So anyway, it's a bummer. Um, but whatever. So it goes. At least some cool memories and weird stories and um, really interesting experiences. 
I'm hungry. I'm super hungry. I want... The other day I made a quesadilla. And uh, I was like, ooh, I'm going to be special. And like, I put some like chili powder in it. A little bit of black pepper. Because I, I didn't have any jalapenos and stuff. Stick it in the oven. Comes out like this is going to be great. And you know what? That shit was terrible. Don't ever do that. Just cheese... Throw in some jalapenos or something, or maybe some meat, like a protein. But don't, don't, no powdered spices. Don't, it's not good. I'll save you the trouble. I see what I do for you guys. I take these giant risks. I put myself out there, super vulnerable. I make these chili powdered quesadillas, and I'm here to tell you it was a waste of a quesadilla. I still ate it because I'm, you know, gross, but you don't need to do it. It's no good. <sighs> I gotta say, I'm super excited for this fucking record. I know I keep talking about it, and it'll be a relief, I guess, to not talk about it. But whatever. This is my podcast. If you don't want to hear it, don't unsubscribe. But just, you know, like, tune it out, and then listen to something else I say that you like. But I'm very excited. I really am. Uh, you know, as much as... I've talked about this before, but as much as, like, back and forth that I go through about... Um, thinking what I'm doing is good or not good or, you know, the fear, inherent fear of putting something out that's very vulnerable, even though like truly at my core, I don't give a fuck what people think about it as far as like, I want to express myself and I want to put it out there. But even with that, like there's still a part of me, like you want people to like it and it to be well received, especially by, you know, people you know, or people you, musicians you respect or other artists you respect. You you want, like, that's, you know, the important bit. Um, but right now I feel good about it and I'm excited. I really am. I, I hope it, uh, I hope it's, it's something you like. I hope it turns you on and, and you dig it. Um, and I'll probably get, I don't know if I'll do, well, I don't know. I, I'm, I gotta stop saying shit before I'm set on doing it. Uh, but I'm very excited. It's gonna be out very soon, finally. And I have, like, I don't know, three albums worth of material to like dive into. So I'm really excited. It, you know, it's weird that I started playing guitar in 1994. So 25 years ago. And I started making music in like, as far as recording. I mean, technically right away. Like we had, there's a cassette I, I still have somewhere, I'm sure with my two best friends growing up. Um, Nick was playing guitar. Dan was playing bass. And it was before I even started playing guitar, I had like, they had a, I had a giant pillow, like a huge pillow, one drumstick and like an arrow that I would <laughs> use. We were in like junior high. And like, we have a recording. So that was 1994, maybe 95. It's when Toy Story came out. Um, But then I started recording on my own in 2000. I bought a four track, a little Tascam four track. I still have it. A little Tascam four track. And I recorded all the time. And I put little albums out like on my own. And, uh, but you know, with bands, I did a recording with my, my first band in like 97, something like that. And then like a couple more, you know, over the years, 2000, 
2002 and then with T-Bone of the Boners, we did like three or four records. Um, and I've done, you know, session work on other people's records. So I've been recording a long time. It was like the biggest part of my life. Most people that knew me knew me as a musician. And then, you know, I started doing martial arts in 2000 and I was a martial artist, but I was always still doing music. Martial arts was just my thing. But then I started, you know, in uh, what 90 or no, 2009, I quit my, I was in finance at the time. I quit finance and I was just teaching martial arts and still doing music. But then, uh, so 2008, I put out that record, that Gooby Goo and Peekers record, this one, the polar bear right there. Oh, I brought this out the other day. I wanted to, I talked about it before, but this is what that polar bear is based on. And he's, he's on the record too. Uh, there's a song, I think it's a perfect little black square. Um, At birth, I'm no bigger than a chipmunk. So he said, I'm a polar bear, my stomach can hold up to 150 pounds of food, which is what the album is named after, at Gooby Goo and Peekers record, which is on iTunes. You should go buy it. And uh, uh, so th- this came from one of my best friends, I, who was the singer in that band. She made this little, for my birthday, my 21st birthday, she made this little movie. She's a filmmaker. And she made this little movie about, was it this polar bear? Or the goat? No, it was this polar bear. This polar bear like waking up, and it was like a stop motion, and it, like crawled out of bed, and he made me a birthday cake. It was awesome. And she gave it to me. Uh, so anyway, I, in turn, I put this bear on the record, and then we, both of our, one of our favorite animals, both of our polar bears. Um, so that record in like 2008 and then toured on it in 2010 and then got back from tour, a bunch of stuff happened in her life and then in my life as well. And then we just kind of never got back to that band. And then I got married and, uh, I just couldn't make music around my wife. She was not just super fucked up and manipulative and like if I would, try to make music she'd be like can I listen to it like no it's you know it's just for me and it's not I'm, I, if and when I put something out I'll let you hear that and she would like cry and tell me I didn't love her it, it was bad so eventually with enough of that I just stopped doing it like the stress of doing it and anxiety of knowing I'm gonna have to go through that shit um one it it kind of dries up any kind of creative process but two just the uh anger and and feeling of being really let down and disappointed by that and and just I don't want to go through that shit. I don't want to keep fighting yes you know, so I had like you know PTSD essentially about making music so I would do it here and there like very very like if she wasn't home I would like maybe get like half a part in or something kind of like and and just years would go by nothing would happen and then um 2004 14, 15, kind of started, but then I moved out 2015, uh, and then was living with my ex-girlfriend at the time. I couldn't really make music there. I just wasn't, there was no going through a lot, but anyway, so, you know, whatever, 2017 or something like that really started 
like writing, like writing, writing. So it's been, you know, 10 years, almost 10 years. Well, 2009, yeah, 10 years. It's been 10 years. Um, so it, it's pretty, I don't know how I got on this topic. Uh, it's been pretty amazing to be at this place now where it's like, okay, the record's done. I'm, I'm going to put it. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, there are people who don't even know, people who know me that are in my life that are like, oh, you're a musician? I didn't know that. Um, but, you know, it, it just kind of like, it was a part of my identity. I kind of boarded up um, as like a defense because I didn't want to go deal with that shit. But so that's why it's pretty amazing to feel like, oh, I, oh yeah, I'm a fucking musician. Like that's the biggest thing, you know, aside from playing video games, there's nothing in my life I've done and reading comics. There's nothing in my life I've done longer and, and gotten more out of. So it, it, I'm very, very excited. What's interesting about the stopping doing music, something I, um, is like how bad it got, like the anti musician part of me took over. Like it was like punishing the musician part of me physically, like literally doing it. Uh, I, I used to train in something called iron palm, which is like an old school hand conditioning. Um, you know, if you see like videos or pictures of monks, you know, hitting bags of iron and steel shot and like digging their hands in rice. It's that stuff. Um, and you know, my lineage came from that line in that, uh, system. And you know, when you're doing that, like my hands physically changed. There was, I was married at the time. I had to stop wearing my wedding ring, my wedding ring. Like my, my hands were always swollen and, um, they were way bigger, like fucking huge. And, you know, like fine touch and stuff. I literally couldn't play guitar. I couldn't do it. Like my fingers wouldn't do it. You're beating the shit out of your hands all the time. Even, you know, the training is not like you're not trying to hurt your hands. It's very slow and light movements over a long period of time. That does, But the results are still the same. It still happens to your hands. They do change in shape and size and, and function. And then also like you're building a stimulus for like excitement. So anytime you get excited or angry or heated, you know, your hands swell up with blood because they're anticipating impact and, and, and they would get hot and tingly. I'd be at, and the other problem, you know, during this time too, I was also like cultivating a lot of, uh, power from anger. So my anger and my strength, it was all like kind of mixed up into this thing. And I would constantly want to, you know, put it, it was very unhealthy. But anyway, I'm like beating the shit on my hands. I couldn't play guitar. I remember going to this guitar show in like 2013, 14. Uh, and there's, the guitar show was whatever. And there's a lot of nice guitars, but there was no like boutique stuff. It was all like standard, just expensive guitars you could see anywhere. But anyway, there were a few I wanted to play and I sat down to play and I, I couldn't do it because like, I was so excited to be there. My hands were swollen. I could barely like, uh, you know, they couldn't, there was no movement in them. It was really weird. Something I talk about in therapy, like my therapist brings it up a lot. Like you were like, that's how hard you were boarding up that part of you that so much so that you would punish your hands uh, to do. It was very weird. When I think about it now, it's like, how could I ever do that? How did I make that choice? It's very odd. 
very, very odd. Um, you know, like, you know, my, it was a concern I had when I first started that training and my teacher was like, Oh, it won't, you'll, your hands, it won't do that to you. But just fucking lie. It totally does. Of course it does. Um, and you can look at any iron palm practitioner and, and see it, you know, their hands are giant and, uh, none of them play guitar. So, you know, it, it was a problem. And since I'm glad I did it, I learned a lot from that training, not because he was a good teacher of it. He wasn't a terribly good, he was a good teacher in other things, but in that system in particular, he wasn't a very good or attentive or responsible teacher. But what I learned from it, not what he taught, but what I learned uh, allowed me to develop a, a really good system of training and conditioning in martial arts uh, outside of that. So I'm grateful for it. And, uh, you know, it's it a good experience. I'm glad I did it. And I have that being able to look back and see like, oh, look what I was doing to myself. Like, look what I, look what I sacrificed for something else and for someone else. You know, I wanted to make him happy, make him proud as well. Uh, and look what I gave up. Like, what, look at what I threw away, what part of me I sacrificed. Um, you know, what needs of mine I subverted in order to, to do this thing. Isn't that interesting? So it's good to notice those things and, and be able to use that moving forward and look at what I'm doing now and if and when am I to be able to acknowledge if I'm potentially making those choices again, which I don't like because they're not, they've never benefited me. They never, like I've learned skills from them, but emotionally, um, even just as a whole of my life, they, they'd always end up, uh, it's, it's just added trauma. So I don't get me wrong. Iron Palm is a cool system to learn, and I'm I am happy to uh, to work with people in Iron Palm. But you know, with the truth of it, like it, it will do these things and these things, and you'll have to monitor this and that, and we need to communicate. It's a very uh, it should be a very intimate and close relationship with that type of training, any martial arts really, but especially that because it's dangerous as well. But yeah, I'm going to put the record out soon. And I'm very, 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 very excited. I hope it, uh, I hope you like it. I really do. I hope you like it. And on that note, I am going to go. If you do your Amazon shopping, go to my website, grahambaker.com. Uh, you can also, you know, it's not listed on the website, but grahambaker.com uh, backslash porb podcast. It, you can go there and find links to all these episodes as well. Excuse me. But grahambaker.com, scroll to the bottom, click on that Amazon banner, and do your Amazon shop, shopping as you would. Excuse me. I think it also works on, on mobile devices. So uh, again, no, nothing changes for you. You just, a little quick navigation and, and press on your phone or click on your mouse, uh, and some of that money will come back to the show. But nothing changes for you. All the same... Amazon prices, nothing changes for you. Uh, like and rate and review on iTunes, please do. If, if you're enjoying this, please do. Um, subscribe, click the link below for notifications on YouTube and comment if you would like to. Share the podcast too. I'm Instagram Baker on Instagram, at Graham Baker on Twitter, uh, at Greyhouse Music on Instagram as well. I might do a website for Greyhouse, the band, Greyhouse Music. Um, that's it. I hope you guys have a great day. Be well. Do good. Peace.